I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. It sure in the hell is. Oh. How are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Okay. It's been a busy week. Yes. The as, weekend flew by. As they are wont to do. We had two birthdays. My mom and your mom's birthdays are days apart. <laughs> yep. But it's Sunday. So, uh, you know, wrapping things up. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to talk about the Oscars, which just finished. But yes. we'll get to that at the end. First, I want to give a, a I, w- I want to make a plea to uh, these filmmakers or publicists or distribution places sending out screeners without subtitles. I can't. I can't. It's so hard, especially watching films where they, the characters have like a British or an Irish accent. You'd Even have- sometimes people who have like standard American, like films with characters speaking like standard American with this, with standard American accents, it's just very difficult sometimes without subtitles. I agree. But we watched a film today called Bull. Bull, and these characters Which I enjoyed quite a bit more than you did. I think. I think it's good, but the characters are Irish, uh, British, British, and I only understood maybe like. 15% of the dialogue because there were no subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So please, 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 in light of uh, CODA, can we be a little more <laughs> conscious of people with hearing, you know, like hearing impaired people like myself? It's just really hard. You're not technically hearing impaired. I, no, I'm not diagnosed as being hearing impaired, but you know, like, or the shit is unintelligible. One of the two. Like, whether it's my fault or, or, or not. Subtitles are very helpful. But anyway, moving on to RuPaul's Drag Race, season 14, episode 12. Yeah, that's still happening. Mm-hmm. Do you know uh, what the challenge was this episode? The challenge was Mulan Ru, uh, one of the... Rusicals. Uh, I really don't like the Rusicals, uh, historically, they're hit or miss they're because the quality of some have been like, what are we watching? <laughs> the, they're usually more of a miss. I really dislike, you're making these queens uh, rehearse and learn lines that somebody else's voice is singing. So basically you're making them learn choreography and then what we're watching, what the audio is usually terrible and corny. Uh, I don't... <sighs> It's interesting because, yes, they're basically learning a lip sync. Mm-hmm. To something, sh- to like a shoddy satire. To a corny song. And they're expected to bring a lot of themselves to the role. But it's like, they're not really giving anything of themselves except facial expressions and choreography. Which is already, I mean, I guess that's what a drag queen does is lip sync, but... I think what people what contestants need to learn is that having the lead in these musicals is not good. That's a life <laughs> lesson. It, it is like the lead does not mean, uh, the best role. And especially in something where you really have little control over how your, what your contributions are to that lead performance. Well, and really making the most of what, like what you've been given mm-hmm. in general, I think is really handy advice. Yes. But in this episode, there is a role, uh, the role of, what was the character's name? Saltine. Saltine. Which is a riff on Satine. 
which is like the Nicole Kidman character in Moulin Rouge. So two people really wanted it. Lady Camden and Bosco. And Bosco kind of pushed for it, you know, thinking that he needed or they needed to, you know, advocate for themselves and actually had the other queens vote. And the queens almost unanimously voted for Bosco to have the role. Uh, well, well, not unanimous. It was split thanks yeah. to Diabetti, mm-hmm. <laughs> who was being messy, but it did make for good TV. So then Willow Pill had to break the tie. So Bosco got the role, and then we see that he didn't do with it what he should have. Which I thought he was just fine. He, I, I thought he looked. I'm glad he was a brunette. They were a brunette. Uh, looked beautiful, but again, that's a nothing role. It's it's a. It's a role of a woman being torn between two men. Yeah. Uh, that is also ill. So Lady Camden was Lady... The, the MC. The MC, and she did a phenomenal job. One of the judges made some comment about how the MC could be a throwaway role. It's like, hello, Joel Grey won a fucking Oscar for Cabaret as the MC. I just think these people have to come up with like one-liners. These and du- this dumb shit they have to say over and over This dumb again. banter that is just like, you're just saying things... Like with <laughs> the MC could be a throwaway role. Any role can be a throwaway any role, role can be a throwaway role. Um, so in the bottom were Deja Sky, Bosco, and Georges. And somehow Deja Sky is safe because, which was surprising because the runway theme was Mirror Mirror, and that was a trash runway. And I thought they were <laughs> when I think Mirror Mirror, I think of like reflective surfaces Mm -hmm. and a play on that. And I don't think any of them, maybe as much as I don't like Diabetti, I think her outfit, which was sort of an homage to kiss Gene Simmons, I guess was very reflective, but like Angeria wore like, it was blue. Turquoise. And then her like nude illusion fabric had like sort of an iridescent quality to it. So while she looked beautiful, I hated the nude illusion. And then the reflective surface wasn't even reflective. Right. Um, Camden's was okay. I guess. She reminded me of Betty Davis in The Queen. or The Virgin Queen. The just because Vir- of that nightcap scene. She the, was, because, she, from, from the nightcap she, scene where she looks like a Hershey uh, kiss. <laughs> she looks like a little troll. And uh, then Georges looked gorgeous. Camden was giving me more of like Tilda Swinton in Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, sure. And then fucking Deja Sky had on an ugly, ugly That's outfit. one of the ugliest. That that could be up there in top five ugliest. Um, Alyssa Edwards and... Lala Ree. And Lala... Well, because it just didn't make sense. It wasn't even reflective. It was so Well, dumb. I don't know if she... You, you know, to be fair, I think she was thinking reflective like... Like, you know how like construction workers wear that yellow? Mm-hmm. Or like runners wear that yeah, reflective... Yeah, but, but it's not reflection... Refl- it's mirror, mirror. Like, I Re- need to be able to see myself in your outfit. Reflection's like, not the... That's a misreading, I think, of that challenge. Uh, mirror... Uh, yeah, I think you made a good point. And Evie Oddly, when she won, that would have been a great mirror, mirror outfit. Yeah, Evie Oddly's outfit when she lip-sank against Brooklyn Heights and won the crown. I mean, why did nobody do the Snow White Evil Queen mirror riff like or never 
There could have been a lot of like, you know, because when you think Somebody about ma- when you think about magic, like David Copperfield and all, it's like <laughs> it's all about um, mirrors, right? Smoke and mirrors. Like I wish someone would have done something that was more of like an illusion, like well, like 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 they vanish. Or what would have been clever is if someone could have made an outfit where it looks like they're walking but it's like their reflection yeah like something something like that like a hitchcockian double like something I, this shit was whack but anyway so Bo- so deja sky ends up being safe bosco and george's lip sync to a, a dance remix of whitney houston's the, heartbreak hotel to be clear the hex hector the hex hector <laughs> remix and uh george's wins mm-hmm. but we can't send bosco home because she's a front runner a front runner so guess who finally has the golden chocolate bar? Bosco. Which is great because now we can get away from... Now we can move on. The drag gods. Anyway, moving on. So we saw a few days ago that there someone leaked a photo of the all-winners season of Drag Race, mm-hmm. which has been rumored for years that there would be sort of an all-star version of all-winners and so far in the leaked image, we see the Vivian, we see Monet Exchange, Shea Coulee, Raja from season three. Um, we also see Jinx. I'm excited. Um, based on the rumor I heard about Canada versus the world, where no one will be eliminated, it's a point system. I'm assuming the only way they got winners to come back is to promise them that no one would be eliminated right away. Because that's embarrassing, right? You, you can't be a winner and get sent home episode one. So I'm hoping the format changes. I also uh, was listening to a podcast where they said that Bianca was asked, of course, mm-hmm. and she said she would consider it, but not in the current format. Whatever that means. So whatever that means. But I agree. Like I, I don't think that if you're going to bring back winners, it needs to be something where all of them get to showcase their talent for all episodes, and then a winner is decided. Or I think a point system or is a point good. system makes sense. Yeah, with a with a, a finite number of uh, episodes, maybe like across six episodes, you have the you each get the same screen time to do these things. And yeah, then, maybe like an Olympics kind yeah. of where it's like you all get to do all six episodes, and then whomever comes out on top is the winner. But I'm kind of excited for that. Do you have any thoughts about all winter season? I mean, I'm sure we'll watch it. I don't know. You know, again, it's, it's great to see all of these wonderful queer people, but uh, like, it'd be nice for, you know, even Bianca or Bob to, to grow beyond that uh, universe of just being, a RuPaul's Drag Race alum? Well, I think Bianca has. Mm. Bianca is able to tour without being associated with Drag Race. And like Trixie Mattel is very big without Drag Race. and They're still drag performers. But I mean, you know, they make good money being affiliated with this franchise. So I'm not mad I at think it. it's hard. I, you know, it was, I think it was hard for Divine. Uh, I think it was hard for RuPaul before RuPaul's Drag Race to be able to be multifaceted, i.e. be out of drag and be able to perform and have a career. You know, before Divine died, he was trying to have a legitimate acting career. 
I, I do have an opinion about this, and we've talked about it before. I think as an entertainer, you're lucky enough to get one shot. And if you can take that shot and make something of it, then I feel like, I don't know that I think everyone has to have this long-lasting, multifaceted career. It's like, you got the chance to write a few movies that were popular and you made, you know, now you have, you know, you made $6 million, which you put in the bank. And that's, that's like, that should be enough. No, I, what I'm trying to say is sure that should be enough, but also I, I don't know that I think there are a lot of very talented people that are even besides RuPaul's Drag Race coming up in reality television that will be forever marked by what brought them acclaim and that in an, and of itself is also limiting. I I can see how it's limiting, but it also involves. So let's say, let's say you wrote a screenplay that, you know, became like a popular movie, and you made a little bit of money off of it, and try as you might, no one's biting for your next screenplay. You could choose to stay in Hollywood and continue. And take a bunch of chicken shit gigs and do stuff that compromises your integrity, your artistic integrity, or you could move on. So I think, and, and do something else, right? Like work like you have been for the last 18 years. And like, I, I think that a lot of celebrities who have that one shot and are able to make that money and, you know, could have parlayed that into something else when they don't because... You know, it was just the roll of the dice that your next project wasn't a hit or it, it just seems like you could easily remove yourself from that world. You don't have to keep your house in Studio City and still troll around going to auditions and trying to network. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You could move to fucking Denver, girl, and open up a coffee shop or or go back to school and be a nurse or, you know, there are a lot of things that people can do. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for these celebrities and entertainers who get a shot, get some celebrity, get some money. Because, I mean, look at what we've been able to do with the little bit that we've been able to manage. Sure. So, you know, you're not going to get a lot from me, some person who made $1.6 over the course of the two years you were popular on this TV show... And then somehow you don't own a home, you didn't buy a business, you didn't invest in any real estate, rental properties, you didn't save any money, you didn't fucking go back to school and get a degree in something that you could make a career out of. It just seems like some people just don't have the wherewithal to like uh, persevere and sure. survive. Of course. Yeah. Just because someone is talented on stage or can sing or dance doesn't mean that they have any like viable skills to like support themselves <laughs> you know being able to sing is not necessarily going to pay any bills no of course not i mean ask cheryl lee ralph in uh, sister act two yeah or or being able to write <laughs> just ask uh, any journalist living in LA. Uh, moving on so aaron carter oh god you're bringing that up well because uh, well, i'm bringing off, this out. off the cuff i sent you that screenshot well because it made me think that i mean this is a psa for like people you know some people need help and this segues from what i was just saying like you know, Aaron Carter, who's the brother of Nick Carter, mm -hmm. so his older, so Aaron Carter's older brother, Nick Carter, is obviously part of the Backstreet Boys. So he grew up with this famous brother, and then Aaron Carter became very famous as a younger person with his songs, and then clearly fell the fuck off. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, 
making a certain amount of money or being uh, like having a certain level of fame or a certain number of TikTok followers or YouTube views does not mean that a person is equipped to deal with the stress of life. Because it's hard out here. It is. I can barely keep my mind from cracking. Like, I don't know what it would be like to be rich and famous and have everyone poking at me. So, yeah, Aaron Carter got a tattoo uh, in honor of his sister who recently passed. So he already had, in the past, within the past like two years, got a bunch of face tattoos. And now he has this big-ass ugly butterfly on his face. Who Anyone out there who's his friend, loved one, that man needs help. He said it's dedicated to his sister? Yeah. Their sister passed? Yeah. Um, Which reminds me of that song... Um, Come, come, my lady, you're my butterfly, sugar, oh. baby. You know, like two years ago or like a year ago, he did like like an OnlyFans type thing where he got on like the internet nude. And mm-hmm. did you see those videos? I don't watch it. I remember you watching an interview with him talking about that. I watched some of those and it's like, <laughs> well, I was curious and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's embarrassing. He um, has a very nice body. Uh, the face is a little cracked because I think the drugs got to him. Mm-hmm. Um... His penis is not anything to, uh, you know, get excited about, but... Damn. No, I mean, it's fine. It's average, but it's just like, you know, the only reason people are tuning in is because it's Aaron Carter. So I think he's clearly fallen off. Yes. And then now he has this ugly-ass tattoo. Also, did you read about... Moving on, did you read about that man uh, who was, like, randomly... The news story was there's this man randomly attacking people in Anaheim. Did you read about that? No. This man, he's caught on video. He only did it twice, which is two times too many. But he attacked uh, someone, I believe, at a Target. And then he knocked out a, like a library worker. And you see the video of him. Like, is knocked. he an unhoused individual? He is a, a, a transient individual. Mm-hmm. And he is a person of color. And it's just unfortunate. It's scary to think. But I often think like all of us are just out here living life. Not, you know, everyone just walks around with so much confidence. I mean, like you walk around, you know, it's like I always think about you, like how you cross the street, like no one's going to hit you or you go places thinking like nothing will happen to me. And it's like, well, that's great that you're not afraid, but we have no control of other people. And it, it, I don't know. I just feel like the world is already a dumpster fire. And then you have people out here just committing random acts of violence. But this guy, I think the headlines, because it was local news, Mm -hmm. made it seem bigger than it was. And I thought it was funny because it's like this man doing this shit in Anaheim. It's like, I wonder how that would have played out in like Compton. Uh, no, I can tell you how that would have played out in Compton. Uh, <laughs> you go to the Target in Compton and start punching some folks and see, oh, how, yeah. see how that works out. So I thought it was funny that where he was doing it versus like who this person was. and Because, you know, home, I mean, I think a lot of homeless people who act kind of wild, I think they're also playing a role. Like, I'm going to act crazy and get attention. It's like, well... They're not that crazy because they know who they can pull this shit with and who they can't. Sure. Because if three big old dudes who look like they would knock you the fuck out walk by, you're not going to play that crazy shit. But when it's like three corny looking dudes who look like they're going to run away scared. Did you say corny or white? I said corny. 
But it's just, <laughs> it's just funny because it's like, you know, people act crazy. Like they're acting. They're, you know. Trying... Some, some of them, yes. Some of them, you know. Of, uh... of course. There are people who are legitimately sick. But anyway, moving on. So you need to mention your five favorite releases of March. We haven't, we haven't done that for a couple months. No. It's been a crazy time since this new house gig got, you know, rolling. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's the end of March. Uh, so all of the releases have come out. Are these in any particular order? Yeah. So what's number five? Number five uh, was, what did I write to you? Oh, the Great Freedom. Great Freedom. With Franz Rogowski. I enjoy, is he the one with the hair lip? Yeah. I really like him. I did too. Undina. Yeah. Uh, yes, I like him a lot. Uh, but And he, I think, is the reason to see that. I think that the film is kind of awkwardly laid out a little bit, but I did really like it. Uh, again, also a recuperation of kind of, uh, queer history uh, and how uh, gay men were treated uh, during uh, Hitler Nazi era. Well, we reviewed Great Freedom on our YouTube channel, so if you're curious about our thoughts, it's there. Uh, mm-hmm. Number four is the movie X. Yes, which is by far not a uh, perfect movie either, but I did highly enjoy it and a lot of the ideas in it. We also reviewed that. Mm-hmm. Um, Number three is Deep Water. Oh, you know, The Return of Adrian Lyne. Uh, and I read the... I mean, first of all, I think if you're out there and you love uh, great uh, mystery, intrigue, literature, Patricia Highsmith should be on your list. And if you haven't read Deep Water by Patricia Highsmith, I recommend that first. And if you can find a copy of the 1981 French film starring Isabelle Huppert, I think that's also better than... This new movie, but it's also the the new one with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas is a lot of fun. There, this one is interesting. We also reviewed this one on YouTube, and there are quite a few comments. And this is one of those storylines where I think it's interesting when it comes to like the public and matters concerning like sex and monogamy. People have very strong opinions. And it's it's funny to me because I'm here to tell y'all, like, P- <laughs> I don't know what kind of lives people live, but people are out here doing things that are what those two characters in Deep Water are doing is not this, like, wild and crazy thing. Because I remember thinking when I was a kid and hearing my parents talk about swingers, mm-hmm. and I remember in the 80s, like, you know, Donna and Cliff are swingers. And there were a few people in our neighborhood who, you know, I remember my parents and their friends talking about those people being swingers mm-hmm. and how it was so scandalous. And it's oh, like... Oh, the key parties of the 70s? Yeah. And now that I'm in my 40s and married and out there in the world, and it's like a lot of people are out here doing shit that, you know, is not that wholesome and not rooted in monogamy. And, it, and it's funny watching or reading people's comments because it's like... You know, we're, I think we're all sold a great lie in, in literature and television and, and cinema about what love is supposed to look like and trying, you know, thinking that we have to model what we want after what other people want. It's like, you need to decide what works for you. I'm not against um, monogamy and I'm not, uh, it's, it's, but, but, but I think that you need to do what works best for you. And the fact that people are so judgmental, which is what I'm getting at with the comments, um, not towards us, but towards these characters, people sure. are being very judgmental. It's like, you know, people have to do what works for them. Mm-hmm. And some of y'all who are out here, like, being so critical, it's like, you need to take a look in your own backyard. Because you probably would be, I know you'd be very surprised at what your significant other is doing. Yes. I, I think that 
it's it's difficult because there's not a, a there's not any real cultural support for anything outside of monogamy. So I think it's difficult to be realistic. Uh, and you know, somebody once told me, uh, communicating with anybody about anything is, is hard and it is, it just is. Uh, anyway, uh, but you know, I, I didn't say this in our review, but in, in the review I wrote for it, uh, at Ion Cinema, you know, the 1957 novel is so far ahead of its time. As far as human relationships go, it might as well have been science fiction then. Mm. Number two, ultrasound. Yeah, I, you know, coming back to that. Did um, we review that? Yes, we did with the hypnotist. Oh, about the hypnotist. The hypnotist. I, I think I liked it more than you did, but it takes a lot of risks and has a lot of interesting things. It's very in it. interesting and I would recommend it. Yeah. Uh, but you have to pay full attention. Yes, you do. And your number one pick for March is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. By, directed by Daniels. They don't want to be called The Daniels, by the way. Uh, this will probably be in my top, it'll it'll be hard to beat this film already well you gave it five out of five i I did uh and i can't wait for you to see it i have to say i i mean it's well documented that i do not like how you describe stories because you don't ever you're you're not really concerned about selling it or what would be interesting to your audience like me so so i've i'm often frustrated when you describe movies to me and you didn't disappoint describing this movie. And even with that in mind, I was still very interested. Oh, so that tells me that this is a very good movie. It, you know, uh, I think, I don't know if it was Sean Baker tweeted or something. Like anybody that's uh, complaining about a lack of originality in cinema these days, you know, if you're one of those, then you need to do yourself a favor and go see this film because this, this would be for you then. Moving on, films released we didn't cover. There's only one on the list called Seven Days. Uh, yes, which I think I had uh, received an offer to get a screener and we just didn't fit it in. Uh, it's directed by Roshan Sethi, uh, his directorial debut. Uh, he was one of the screenwriters on Call Jane, notably, and it stars Karen Sony, uh, who is an actor you see in a lot of things, including, I think he's that chatty uh, taxi driver in the Deadpool films. Uh, but it's a COVID film. It's about uh, these two uh, young Indian people, Ravi and Rita, who uh, are, it's a, it sounds like it's an arranged marriage thing, and then because of COVID, they get stuck quarantining together. Mm. Moving on to movies we watch for fun. The first one is called Basic, oh which my. is a 2003 film directed by... John McTiernan, who... And we... Oh, go who, ahead. You know, John McTiernan directed the first Die Hard, which I don't love, uh, Predator, which I do. Uh, this was the last film directed by John McTiernan in 2003, so damn near 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> we have the actual DVD, thanks to my mom, uh, yeah. who likes to... My mom comes across a lot of... Well, my mom likes to buy a lot of stuff and then give it away. And movies are included in that. And this was part of a box of movies she tried to give you. And then you sort of picked what you wanted. Well, because I'd never seen it. And And I have to say, it's a terrible movie. Oh, by... Oh, it is... But I... I know this movie was entertaining because I watched it in bed with you. Mm Mm-hmm. And usually when I crawl into bed, it is sleep time. He doesn't get past the credits. I don't get past the credits usually. And I watched almost this entire movie. Yes. Uh, There's no point trying to describe the plot beyond the fact that it's about Samuel L. Jackson plays 
a like army general who's mm-hmm. like the biggest asshole and he's on this mission with a group of his uh soldiers in panama in panama and he gets killed so now there's a mystery as to who killed him because several of the soldiers who were part of that mission are also dead so now one of them in particular is being questioned by tim daly yes tim daly and the lady what's her name connie nielsen who is danish well let's get into that but so tim daly and connie nielsen are questioning him and then he's like well i'll only talk to another ranger and they he was discovered but two people in the unit were shooting at each other him and giovanni rabisi so tim daly gets like an old buddy played by John Travolta, who, who used to be a ranger, to come in and talk to the guy. And there's twist upon twist. This story is so convoluted and so overly complicated. It It's worth watching just, oh, so many. First of all, who's the lady again? Connie Nielsen? Connie Nielsen, who you know is Wonder Woman's mother, but she's been in a ton of stuff. She's supposed to be Southern. <laughs> But she's really Danish. She's Danish, and her southern accent is... Her accent? It's bad. Oh, it is It is a wild. Then, John Tra- I don't know if John... You know, I think John Travolta leans into the gay... Like he's a bitchy gay man. Yeah, and I think he leans into it because of the rumors that he is gay. But there's... I mean, his acting... and The script is terrible. The dialogue is terrible. Terrible. The, the dialogue is egregiously bad. Yeah. But it's so bad that it's fun to watch like John Travolta, all of them. He Connie be- Nielsen and John Travolta doing, because they're he, playing off of one he another. He makes so in, in many inappropriate passes at her. And, oh then, my God. and then she starts to come around to have feelings for him, which is it's outrageous. impossible. Uh, this was written by James Vanderbilt, whose second screenplay after Darkness Falls also wrote Zodiac, the, the David Fincher classic, but those Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, the latest Scream reboot, and Independence Day Resurgence. So almost all of those, are and White House Down, are pretty terrible films. If but, you want to watch a bad movie that will probably keep you entertained, I would recommend Basic. The Secret... Oh, God. And so this was 2003, so before uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, Giovanni Ribisi is gay. And oh, that's right. There's what, a gay element. Whatever his gay voice... It is, <laughs> it's bad. Oh, um, and then there's a plot point because one of the twists is that the the soldier being questioned is lying about his identity, and then we find out by like like from the doctor who's also like there's another twist. With oh, the Harry doc- Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. We find out that the Connie Nielsen's character, I believe, says we we find out the one soldier being questioned is lying about his identity, and the person he's pretending to be is actually black. But the guy playing, the, the guy lying is white. So then we hear Connie Nielsen's character say, like, well, like, like we don't keep track of their race. Like, how do we know? And it's like, what? Yeah, that seems... And also, it feels like Mr. Vanderbilt, the screenwriter, uh, the, or, and everybody involved, actually, the secret organization uh, in, that everybody's involved in is called Section 8. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like, mm. Apparently, they've never heard of Section 8. How okay, we need to get through. There are quite a few of these movies. We need, okay. we need to get through them. Okay. So we were stuck in a hotel earlier this week, and we watched Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. I don't think I had ever seen it. I enjoyed it. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I have to say, Macaulay Culkin is adorable. He was a cute As kid. Kevin McAllister. Yes. He is adorable. And... Th- 
The violence in this movie... Oh, my God. ...is outrageous. I can't believe that kids were watching this. <laughs> it is so... It is... It's all premeditated. Oh, it yeah. It is extremely violent. Which is weird because I remember, I think his parents said that he would. they would only allow him to do the sequels if he could do The Good Son, which is basically a bad seed rehash. Yeah. Which... It's really Macaulay Culkin doing the same goddamn things to people, except really hurting them. Except it's like a comedy. Um, okay, moving on. Oh, wait, wait. We didn't want to talk about anything else in Home Alone 2? Well, we don't, we don't like have Like Tim, Tim Curry and, you know, Brenda Fricker as the homeless pigeon lady? Who, oh, you know what? I did get emotional with the pigeon lady. She was... I, Brenda Fricker's amazing. But, uh, and that's fresh, kind of fresh off her Oscar win for My Left Foot. Okay, moving on. We watched Kimmy. With Zoe uh, Kravitz? Yes, directed by Steven Soderbergh, an HBO Max release that we missed, I think because of Berlin. But We received comments about reviewing it, which of course makes me think people think it's bad and we're going to make fun of it. I didn't think it was laughable bad. I It was kind of interesting, but it felt very familiar. It felt, Well, it felt familiar because, it, again, it's the Hitchcock's Rear Window, it's Disturbia, it's... Is the, that Amy Adams movie? The Woman in the Window, it's yeah. The Voyeurs, uh, which you didn't watch with Sydney Sweet. Uh, it is interesting. I, I find it hard to believe that this agoraphobic woman, who's gorgeous, also has blue hair. The hair threw me the, off. The upkeep of that hair, because there's one of the plot points is that her, about her dentitia, and it's like, well, she also wouldn't have that kind of hair if she was so adamant. Well, about it wouldn't be such a good, yeah. It, it, like, if she's bleaching her own hair, it wouldn't look that even. And what's funny is we watched that the day after Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, because Macaulay Culkin's older brother in that movie it, is an actor that pops up, is the man that tries to save her in the end of Kimmy. That, oh. That, that fleshy white man, I forget That's a Culkin? No, that he played Culkin's older brother. Oh, yes. He played... Yes. Um, and his name is escaping me. Yes, yes. That said, I, I think I'm starting to really enjoy Zoe Kravitz. Um, between this... I don't think she was the best Catwoman ever, but I, I think she's kind of fascinating. On I want to believe that she, right, like, right, the past few weeks she's been rocking bangs, and I, and I hope they're clip-ins. Well, tonight at the Oscars, I thought they were trying to have her styled like Audrey Hepburn. She looked pretty. She's, oh, she's Moving gorgeous. on, we watched Mannequin 2 on the run. Oh. Okay, I said this because what's the... We reviewed... Oh, no, we talked about this on the podcast. There was a movie about going to hell with... with Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson. Isn't it Highway to Hell? Highway to Hell. Yeah. That lady has no... Like, she... She literally could be a mannequin. There's nothing to her. She has no personality. I guess she's well cast. You know, she to me, she was always the weakest part of higher learning... Or always. I've only seen it once and that was recently. You know, she's the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't think I watched that movie. Um, but she, that lady has nothing. She's beautiful, but she has no person. But I mean, I felt the same about Kim Cattrall and the original Mannequin. I recall liking the original. Well, Mannequin 2 is a joke. It is so outrageous. But I do, I will say, I really, I thought the main guy was very cute. Okay. I'm forgetting his name now. Yeah, I thought he was really cute. And then, of course, uh, Hollywood Montrose. Meshach Taylor. Meshach Taylor, although, who we love from Designing Women. Although, you know, he wasn't living right. Yeah, because we're the same age and in he, that role. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this one, brother. Uh, he was... You're talking about William Ragsdale, who yeah, was the, who was the lead. Yeah. Um, okay, you watch something called Women Who Kill? Yeah, so if you um, go to Mubi right now, they're having a retrospective of... Documentaries directed by Lee Grant uh, in the uh, mostly in the 1980s, 
Okay, Lee Grant is a fabulous, fantastic actress, and uh, of course, a friend of Dorothy. Um, she won an Oscar Best Supporting for Shampoo, uh, directed by Hal Ashby, uh, starring Warren Beatty and Julie Christie in 1975. I didn't know this because I was I watched Women Who Kill. Uh, because mainly because I wanted you to watch the documentary uh, "What Sex Am I," okay. which is directed by her, and that we still have a chance to watch that. So I watched "Women Who Kill," which has her interviewing seven different women uh, in the prison system in LA and New York. Uh, I think she's a fantastic narrator in documentaries. But uh, out of the women she interviews, uh, one of them is Leslie Ann H- Leslie Ann Houghton, who is of course one of the Manson girls. And it's strange to hear her kind of take Leslie to task, who's also a good friend of John Waters now and still has not been released from prison. Um, Leslie, you know, was part of the Manson girls that killed Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate was a co-star of Lee Grant's in Valley of the Dolls, which I find interesting. But this relates to some other things on this list. Uh, I was hungry to see Lee Grant in a movie I'd never seen before, and it I didn't realize she won Best Actress in Cannes for her first lead for her first role in Detective Story, a William Wyler film from 1951 starring Kirk Douglas, and she plays a shoplifter who's uh, it. And she got an uh, Oscar nod for that role too. And then she, I didn't realize she was blacklisted for 12 years after that during the uh, McCarthy era uh, because her husband was named as a communist, and she was uh, subsequently blacklisted uh, until the, the late 60s. Um, anyway, to keep time, I'm just going to keep pace. Of the, so down and out in America, uh, that's the, the documentary she won an Oscar for in 1987. Uh, but the doc came out in 85, I think anyway, that she's interviewing people. Uh, it's about the effects of Reaganomics, but it's kind of fascinating to watch. She, she's catching in real time, uh, the depletion of the, the farming industry, uh, in the Midwest and, all of these things we're really paying the price for now uh, in significant ways. Uh, and of course, there was cinema then. I remember Sam Shepard's country. We're kind of de- we're like dealing with this firsthand. But, you know, just the ripple effects of how certain procedures change uh, governmentally and the ripple effects of that was, you know, to use Reby Jackson's word, devastational. Uh, but I, again, I, I think that... Very well done documentaries, and I, I think that she should be as equally known for those. I feel like people aren't talking about Lee Grant as a documentarian still. Next, Letters from the Big Man. Um, looking up Lee Grant, uh, she did a Thomas Pinchon adaptation, but I think Portnoy's Complaints, and I noticed Karen Black was in it. And I realized I hadn't seen a Karen Black movie in a while, and I watched Letters from the Big Man. I wish Karen Black has only a cameo. It's a 2011 film that I missed at Sundance that year, uh, starring... Uh, Lily Rabe, and it's <laughs> credited as the, the most realistic narrative about Bigfoot ever made. And I was so bored. I was De- so bored. Christopher Munch directed it. Okay, Detective Story. I already talked about it. You weren't listening. Azor. Uh, Azor was a film I missed in Berlin 2021, also on movie uh, from Argentina. Uh, it's about a Swiss banker who goes to find his partner who's disappeared in 1980, Buenos Aires, which is, of course, under a dictatorship. And it's kind of this slow burn thriller uh, that was also, I think, really well done, especially because it's the first film. Moving on to projects of interest, something called Teddy. Uh, Kid Cuddy has announced that he's directing he's creating a, his directorial debut uh 
nothing. He hasn't. Re- I think with Netflix, he hasn't revealed any details. But he said it's like if his song uh, "Pursuit of Happiness" was a film. And of course, you know I love that song. Well, the remix with MGMT. Something called Necrocosm. Uh, Panos Cosmatos uh, would be his third film. He's reteaming with Andrea Riseborough. Surprisingly, you haven't seen Mandy, the 2018 Nicolas Cage film that kind of resurrected Cage a bit, um, which is, I think, a really fun movie. But uh, yes, he's doing another film. And he, you know, he's also the, the son of George P. Cosmatos. The Parenting. Parker Posey has just joined the cast of The Parenting, directed by Craig Johnson. It's about a gay couple who uh, arrange to have their parents meet at this hotel that ends up being haunted. Uh, Parker Posey is the woman who works at the hotel. And uh, some of the parents are played by Brian Cox and Lisa Kudrow. I'm forgetting the other two, but that sounds fantastic. And then something called Blonde. Oh, Andrew Dominic's Blonde, uh, which has been in the can for a long time now. It stars Anna de Armas as Marilyn Monroe. Um, and I've read the book by Joyce Carol Oates. And if you haven't read that, it's a fantastic fictional narrative about uh, Monroe. And I think Joyce Carol Oates is, you know, a supremely talented writer. Uh, I recommend reading that. But it's a Netflix film and it's received an NC-17 rating. Hmm. Like officially. Okay, we have an entry in the obituary section. Uh... Taylor Hawkins from the band Foo Fighters passed away at the age of 50. Which, you know, they just had that movie come out. The movie's called... uh, Wasn't it Studio 666? 666, which when we mentioned it last week, I believe, or the week before, I had said that I used to have a crush on the guitarist or the drummer. Oh, now I'm embarrassed. Anyway, the person I was talking about was Taylor Hawkins. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, he's... So young. Yeah, only 50. But uh, I think, didn't they say toxicology came back? Or they, there were 10 substances in his body. Um, you know, I don't know, or we don't know the specifics of the, the surrounding his death. But that just made me think that, you know, a lot of people self-medicate. Yeah. And a lot of y'all are on prescription medication for, you know, some of y'all are on psychotropic drugs combined with... Um, Drugs to treat like chronic, you know, whether it's high blood pressure, glaucoma, all kind. People are on all kinds of prescription medication, and then they go out and they smoke marijuana, they use Molly, they do all this shit, and hail poppers, and use Viagra, and all the people do all this shit, and it's like there is a reason when you go see your primary care provider, they ask you what medications you're on, mm-hmm. is to try to get a sense of what's going on. And, you know, pharmacists are really good resources. Mm-hmm. If you're afraid to talk to your doctor, you can go to the pharmacist and ask them, like, this is what I'm taking. And they will help you understand, like, why you shouldn't, shouldn't, or why you shouldn't do certain things. But I think, you know, it's like some of y'all don't even know how to scramble eggs properly. And you're out here, like, just taking all these pills and thinking that it's okay and <laughs> drinking too much. And some of y'all have, like, Issues with, you know, like, there are people who have serious, like, liver and kidney issues mm-hmm. from, like, childhood. And then because it's been well-managed for a long time, they think that now they can be out here and just drink all the goddamn time and take all these drugs. And I'm not implying that that's what Taylor Hawkins was doing. But 
you telling me about all these drugs in his system made me think that we need to be careful. Like, people, sure. people need to be careful and talk to your prescriber about all the things you're doing. Well, you know, it's just, I, they were about to perform. I was reading in Bogota. <laughs> I went on off on, on, I went off on a rant that has nothing to do with Taylor Hawkins, but you, you did, but it's just like, you know, can you imagine the just, Shocking. Well, it's devastating, yeah. but it's just scary. And these kind of things are always a reminder of life. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. You know, we need but... to take better care of ourselves. And we're not healthcare professionals, most of us, right? Like, I mean, we're not. We're not pharmacologists. We're not pharmacists. We're not medical doctors. Like, stop playing with this shit. I don't know what this man was on, but... No, but, you know, it, I think it's also... We're coming off of... a. We're not coming off. It's still going on. But, you know, it's been a rough two years, no matter what your profession or place in life is. It, it's, you know, I think affected us in ways that maybe we haven't realized yet either. And maybe he wanted to die. And you know me. If that's what he wanted, then I'm happy he has it. But we need to take a quick break. Hold on. Okay, we're back. So, <laughs> come on. No commercial, obviously. Uh, well, one day there might be sponsors. One day there might be a sponsor. Yeah, you know what? Who would sponsor us? Wait, what are, what are most of the sponsors? Uh, uh, Foursquare. Black, Black Box Wine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come, no, through, come through, girl. No, I'm asking who would oh. be good sponsors for us. Black Box Wine. Movie. <laughs> Movie. Uh, what's that brand of yogurt I like? The, the, the oi... No. Oi... The one that makes the Greek honey. Oh, yeah. There's some in there right now. Go, yeah. Go look in the fridge. Uh, Greek gods or whatever. Greek god, yeah. Um, Kino Lorber. Criterion Collection. <laughs> um, anyway. We're talking about the Oscars. IMDb. <laughs> Do we know, is it the 75th annual or the 74th or... Oh, I don't know. I don't fucking know. Anyway, we were going to watch it at home, and then I thought, oh, let's go watch it at our local gay bar. Precinct. Which, which was Precinct. So we went to Precinct to watch the um, 94th Academy Awards. Mm. And that was interesting. Well, the, when's the last... When's the? I grew up where this was in my household. Like, we would watch the Oscars. The last time we watched the Oscars was when we lived in Westchester. At tw 2016, I had Yolanda Ross over. Yeah. Uh, and someone else, uh, an Iranian director. I'm forgetting... Roxara, I'm forgetting her last name. Uh, That's and, the year that the Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty uh, erroneously announced... La La Land is being picture of the year when it was actually Moonlight. Joseph was so annoyed, I remember, because every time La La Land came up, Yolanda and I were, like, groaning and, like, screaming. And <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we watched it at a gay bar. Uh, I have to say, so, first of all, what do we think about awards? Uh, I know for me, like, I don't think they matter. I don't. I think it's all bullshit. Like... These people who vote on this shit, I like. I just don't know how you can say something is the best when you haven't seen all the things. I agree. Or most of the things. Oh, I agree. None of these people are watching hundreds of movies a year. They're all just watching whatever has buzz. And then from the 20 films that has have buzz, they're picking. And it's all... 
I mean, it's all about like who knows who and who works oh, for, for what. Sure. And even even being part of because I'm a nobody and being but being part of the LA Film Critics Association and going through that awards process, I, you, I was shocked at how many people had not watched so many things. I just don't. They should call it like industry favorites. It's just industry favorites. It's like all these people who vote are just picking from their favorites, whether, and it's not even their favorite movies. It's like, well, I'm close friends with this director or this costume designer or this, or, oh, I worked with this makeup artist, so that's who I'm voting for. That's all it is. It's just favorites. It's favorites. That's why Meryl Streep has been nominated. I'm sorry, gays. Uh, Meryl Streep is not the best actress out there of her age or any age, but we have this, this body of people that is selling this image of, uh, a certain person because they're all interested in watching all of her shit. It's just such bullshit. And then it's also to me such a slap in the face because they give an award for best international film, but it's like the best lead performance. Like, well, for us films, cause sometimes they nominate foreign language films every now and then, every right. now and then. But it's just like, you can't tell me that, it's the only uh, non-English language performance they've watched because it had buzz somewhere. That's the right. only... Right. It, it, it's just so stupid because it's like there are so many great performances, films, uh, cinematographers, editors, makeup artists making films all over the globe. And then particularly with the Oscars, it's like... The Oscars... It are... all boils down to these 10 films that were popular in the U.S. for the most part. I mean, I didn't watch Dune. I didn't watch Coda. I didn't watch, um, what's the other big one? Coda, oh, Belfast. Okay, I've seen everything that was not. You saw everything. Yeah. So I can't say who deserved what, but I don't even think it's worth talking about the winners. I was just going to run down my notes and then you didn't take any. I didn't take any, but the one thing that you stepped out to pee on that I uh, enjoyed was seeing Megan Thee Stallion perform because you know I like her. Okay, I'm just going to go through my notes and then you can chime in. Okay. I thought the best part of the Oscars this year was the music. Like, there was a DJ and a lot of it was like classic, like R&B soul funk music. I, I really enjoyed the music that was playing between like between commercial those breaks. Sets, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. You went to the bathroom when Regina King came out and she did this entire bit where she said... She starts off saying something to the effect of like... Is that know, when they called, she called it the men up? Yes. Okay. She, the bit was that, you know, of course, everyone's been tested for COVID, but we skipped a few people and we need to get these tests done so we can move on. So I'm going to call your name. And when I call your name, please come up to the stage. So she calls all the men you saw on stage, including Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes clear by like the third or fourth person she calls that she's calling up men she finds attractive. Because then she calls up another person, but then she goes, no, because your wife is here. Never mind. And then she just keeps going and like touching. That's when she was like rubbing down Josh Brolin and Jason Momoa. I thought that shit was so inappropriate. I thought it was so inappropriate. It's like you're, it's like sexual harassment. And I don't think it's appropriate, you know, as a gay man who works primarily around women. Mm -hmm. And I know that there isn't parody and sort of like clearly historically men have been abusive and awful towards women. So I'm not trying to imply that it's equal, but as a gay man who works primarily around women, women can also be really, everyone can be a fucking creep. Yeah. And I think having Regina King up there with this Regina Hall, I'm sorry, 
up there doing this bit in 2022, it just felt so like 2000 and late. It felt, and then Tyler Perry's gay ass up there and her, I just thought like, I can't believe he agreed to let her drag him up there for this bit because he looks stupid. Well, you know, it, I think it looked good for his heterosexualization. Um, I'll, you know, but who, you know who I thought looked like a doofus? Timothee Chalamet. Uh, like, where are you? You're at the Oscars and that's what you're wearing? Ugh. The Oscars was doing something else or something that I guess I didn't, I've never noticed. I, I, I don't know if this is something they always do, but they sort of honored like the anniversary of certain films and then had people from that film come to present the next award. That were still alive, yeah. So then they did like, oh, it's the 30th anniversary of White Man Can't Jump. <laughs> so they have... Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, and Rosie Perez come out and then introduce an award. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a cute It was idea. interesting, yeah. Although, well, we'll get to it because I want to talk about the top five list. But Ugh. I wanted to say from that, Wesley Snipes looks good. He does look good. I don't know what kind of like greens he's eaten or what kind well, of... Well, you know what? He looks fit, but not like he is uh, trying to be Blade anymore. Because how old is he? I think that men... You know, when you when you do things to your body, it ages you, especially white men. Uh, Wesley is 59. Yeah, he looks great. I thought he looked great. And, you know, I've really enjoyed him in the last few things I've seen him in. But, but you know, in comparison, Woody Harrelson didn't look bad either. He's looked the same. No, for, Woody looks he's good, looked too. the same for a long time. And, and so did Rosie, Rosie actually. Looked, they all look good. Um, so Dune won a lot of awards. I don't know how many. All the technical one. achievements, yeah. But can I just tell you, I still don't want to see Dune. Do you know the night before we moved out of our old house? Mm -hmm. That was the night before. I put on Dune. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you that shit could not grab my attention. I don't... You know what I think it is? It looks dry. And then you had said like it's based on a book. I know it's based on a book. Well, but I, you I, said that it's only like one part of... The first book. So then I thought, oh, I don't want to watch this. I don't like watching stories. Maybe that's why I don't want, like, I haven't finished Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Or it's like, uh, there's some, like, I'm not going to finish the story if I watch this movie. I have to watch like 10 of them. So I think my aversion to Dune is partially that. But even after winning all of these awards, I have zero interest in watching Dude. Um, I saw it in Venice uh, and I did read the book right beforehand. Uh, and it was one of those screenings at this major fucking film festival. They took all our phones and watched it like nine in the morning. Uh, it is, yeah, it's a beautifully shot, crafted film that does seem a little bit dull. And I don't think plays into the kind of the campiness of it where, where you have names of like Paul and Lady Jessica. <laughs> who's the lady from... Charlotte Rampling's great in it though, by Who's the, the lady from West Side Story, the, Aria. the, the lead? Oh, Rachel, is it Zegler? Yes. Okay, so she presented with some guy who was like five feet taller than her. And they give this awkward little like intro where he's like, God, growing up, I never dreamed that I would be on this stage. And she goes, yeah, six days ago, I never dreamed I'd be on the stage. Because the gag is she had said she wasn't invited to the Oscars, even though West Side Story was nominated for multiple awards. Including Best Picture. And then, of course, they invite her and then let her present. But... Uh, Seeing her on the stage, I thought, like, God, I really didn't like her in West Side Story. And she is little. She's Either that short. man is eight feet tall or she's super little. She's tiny. <laughs> she also, she reminded me a little bit of Brooke Adams from the 70s. Okay. I don't know who that is. You do, but okay. 
Oh my God. How many award shows do we have to go through where it's like these groups of people get up there to give their acceptance speech and there's always the one who talks too long and then the other three can't get a word in and yeah. then the music plays. Yeah. I know the production staff tell all of these people, look. You do, you do, but in the moment, like it's such a big deal for these people, you know, it's hard. I get it. Yeah, you yeah, you would have a hard time because when I tell you we're running over, you don't care. You just keep talking and then it's like, well, I guess I'm going to end it. Like, because this fool's not going to stop. And it's like, it doesn't matter if there's a timer. doesn't matter if someone warned you. You're just going to try to finish your thought. But it's so selfish because then it's like, the other oh, people boy. don't get to talk. And then as an audience, it's cringy. Like, it's really uncomfortable witnessing someone not manage their time well. And then rob other people. I mean, when you do it, it's not, a, it, it's not the same because you're not robbing anyone of their time because I don't want to keep talking. But... It's like, how many speeches did we watch that got cut off and then other people didn't get to speak? I think in a group thing, yes, that's awkward. I, I think if you're alone accepting something, that's different. Child, what's that girl's name who's going to be in Little Mermaid? Haley? Haley. Bennett? Ba Bailey? Barry. Bailey. Is her name Haley Barry? Uh, from, it's Chloe. Chloe and Haley. Chloe X Haley? I, yes, I'm old. which I don't know. No, that, no, that album is fantastic and... Um, Anyway, she's gorgeous, talented singer, but that girl came out half naked, and you know I'm not a prude, but you could see her draws. Like, I know Disney is not happy with her. To come out in the Oscars dressed like that, and as she was walking, you could see her undergarment. Yes, you could. Um, no, but oh, when what what where was that where her and her sister perform Ungodly Hour? Oh, oh my what god! What did we watch? I was I was transfixed. Yeah, they're super talented, and that is such a good album. But um, Hallie, what's her last name though? Um, Bailey. 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 Yeah. Hallie Bailey. Hallie Bailey. Um, okay, so best actor went to no best supporting actor went to Troy Kotzer from Coda, Coda who is uh, a deaf gentleman. Yeah. And I thought it was funny because he gave a speech and of course there was an interpreter uh, speaking for him. But I thought it was funny because he went way over. <laughs> he sure did. And then the lady who presented to him, who was that lady? Uh, the actress from Minari. Um... She was so cute because she didn't take the cue that she needed to get off the stage because she was still in camera shot of him. So the entire time she's holding his award staring at him like a little puppy. I thought that was super cute. But yeah, I thought it was funny. Like, they're not going to kick this deaf guy off. Because if they play the music, he's not going to hear it anyway. Right. Yunyo Jung. But she was adorable. Yes, she was. She stood right by him and was intently... Okay, the director of Drive My Car. Raisuke Hamaguchi. He won for Best Director, right? He won Best International. Oh, Best International. When he gave his acceptance speech, he had a woman there with a notepad... What the fuck was she writing on her notepad? He did uh, speak in Japanese, so I thought he was going to... Uh, I, I, I thought she was supposed to translate the additional part of his message, but they didn't give her time to do that. Yeah, I don't know. That looks so awkward. It did. Um, the lady who wrote Coda? Mm -hmm. Sean, uh, what's her name? Her dress was really nice. She wore like a mirror dress. Which I thought was funny because we just talked about RuPaul's Drag Race and the theme was Mirror Mirror. Sean Hader. And I thought her dress 
was be- would have been a better choice than any of the dresses those queens wore on the last episode of Dragon. Yes, I agree. Um, okay. During the ceremony, they had two little segments where they did like an audience pick for the top five. It was like the top five movie moments and then the top most memorable moments. Mo- like across all time? Across all cinematic time. Because it had Dream Girls was number four. And, and then like the, something from like the Avengers. The rest was and- Marvel shit. And even people in the room with us, like at the bar, were like laughing. Like these movies are bad. Like I yeah, but that was so stupid. Um, okay, Billie Eilish and I didn't realize Phineas is her brother. Yeah, but I guess she's like he is her creative partner. I guess. Yeah. I did not know they were siblings, but and I don't care. I think that James Bond song is kind of boring. It I is. think Billie Eilish looked kind of crazy. Wearing, well, it looked like she was wearing a, a curtain. A curtain, a black curtain. But I, they both had terrible hair. Her brother, that shit looked like a wig. It looked like a wig. I don't think it was, but it was terrible. Her hair looked, that old black ass hair. That, that like, Betty Page wig. Not even, it wasn't even good like a Betty Page wig. It looked like, she looked. Well, it was that's a young lady, mm-hmm. and she dresses and is styled like a forty-eight-year-old woman who's trying to be a little jazzy. Like, well, no, I, that looked like a shower curtain to me. It did not. It was not a cute dress. No, but she looks like those middle-aged ladies who still like want to have like fashion color hair, and with they wear like a muumuu. Yeah, with like interesting like silhouettes. I don't know. Well, she's to be fair. Her brand is all about not revealing what her body looks like, which sure. which I think is uh, fair, interesting, and and progressive. But I mean, that ho- was a strange outfit. The hosts were Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall. All three who I tend to like, especially. and I couldn't. I don't know what they their contribution to the ceremony was very sporadic. It was. And I didn't, I mean, they didn't feel like hosts. They no. just felt like. Like a clown act. Yeah. They, I mean, instead, you know, oh, we should mention that the controversy surrounding the eight categories that were not televised was remedied by very quickly showing all the nominees and then showing a portion of their acceptance. Speech, yes. Which was actually nice because it, it just clipped along very quickly. Yeah. But I thought, you know, they could have given those categories more time and not have these stupid skits. Yeah. Because one of the skits was Regina Hall and Wanda Sykes come out and give consolation prizes. One of them was a screener of a film no one saw, The Last Duel. That was shady. (laughs) Yeah. Then Wanda Sykes gave someone something like a Texas ballot that was like shredded. I didn't think that was funny. And then Regina Hall gives Judi Dench like an inspirational quote. Because she lost. Because she lost. And the quote was from Kim Kardashian and it said, work harder. Yeah. But all I could think of was like Judy Dench's teeth. Yeah, I can't believe that lady must have money. I would hope so. They couldn't get her like at least some partials. For I don't the... know. I don't know. It did. Didn't yeah. they look crazy? It did. They yeah. look crazy. But you know, she's she's not. She's old. Okay, but old people wear dentures. Sure. Young people wear dentures. <laughs> she could have got those Instagram teeth that you for seventy five dollars. You. I, I don't know that Judy Dench cares about that, but. Sure, it did look like the dentition was... Her mouth looked crazy. Distracting, yeah. Um, okay. I think what everyone will be talking about tomorrow... Ooh. Around the virtual cooler is 
Will Smith slapping the shit out of Chris Rock. Yeah. So Chris Rock got up there and announced, I forget what award. Wasn't it Best Documentary? Yeah, because Questlove won. That's right. And then he decides to make a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. It's not uh, to be to, to uh, historically, it's not the first time he has made a joke about Jada at the Oscars either. No, he made fun of her about in 2016. In 2016, the Oscars so uh, white. I think Oscars so white was 2014. Oh wait, wait, wait! But 20, when Jada was... Pinkett boycotted the Oscars, and then Chris Rock said, "That's like that would be like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. I wasn't invited." Mm-hmm. Okay, so he has a history of like picking on Jada Pinkett. And then in tonight's ceremony, because, you know, Jada Pinkett has a buzzed head because she suffers from alopecia. So she just chooses to buzz it off, which is a very common issue. And, you know, I'm not trying to be sent. We'll get into it. But he goes, oh, Jada Pinkett Smith, nice, uh, like, like getting ready for G.I. Jane 2. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a funny joke. No. And she rolled her eyes so hard. She rolled her eyes. And then Will Smith made a mean face. And then Will Smith gets up because he's sitting front front. He's mm-hmm. in the he and Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, Nicole Kidman, and Keith Urban were sitting like on the stage. Yeah, Denzel is up there too. Denzel yep. was on the stage too. And Will Smith gets up, walks to Chris Rock, slaps him, and then the camera goes away, like dark. Uh-huh. And then the sound gets cut off. Yeah. So you can't hear. You can't Chris, hear Chris Rock say... Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me. Yeah. But he said it because people in the audience, it was reported by Variety, said that that's what he said. Then you, they, they still cut off the sound, but you can see Will Smith mouth the words, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Mm-hmm. And then the sound comes back on and Chris Rock said, wow, this, is, this will be the greatest night of television ever. Yeah, something like that. Or something like that. And then the mood changes. He looks like he's shell-shocked. He looks shook, yeah. And then he proceeds, and then it's just awkward. Because he's he, you could tell there was more he was supposed to say, and he goes, let's just go to the nominees. Yeah. So all I have to say is, like, you it, know, violence is never the answer. It was a bold move, yes. But no one's going to... I mean, you can't really knock Will Smith for defending his wife. I mean... Well, it just... It, you know, it's it's funny being a bald man, how people will go out of their way to talk about your bald head. And it's like, why? I also feel like as a black man on, you know, on this stage, knowing that there aren't that many black people represented at the Oscars historically. Even or, even or any, even tonight. Even at tonight where there are a lot of black nominees still in, in percentage wise. So not equal. So as a black man to get on that stage at the Oscars and choose to pick on a black woman about her hair when Chris Rock made a documentary about black women and their hair, I think is so reckless and so disrespectful. And I talk about people's looks a lot, but I'm a beauty professional and I don't talk... Well, I am. Sure. And I don't talk about things people can't help. I'm not going to talk about someone's weight well, or their body shape or the, the, the shape of their nose or the way their hair grows. Like, that's not, it's a low blow. It's not funny. I'm, you know, I'm not a comedian, but Chris Rock is. And I just think like, you know, I don't care for Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm not, like, I'm not a Jada Pinkett, Pinkett Smith stan, but I think it's disrespectful to talk about this woman's hair as a black man. First of all, 
She looks beautiful. She does. And you're also attacking a lot of black women have buzzed heads. Yeah. For various reasons. Yeah. And oftentimes it's due to tension alopecia. Wearing weaves, like wearing very tight braids and having weaves sewn in over the years or from relaxers has caused hair loss. So a lot of women rock very short styles and they look great. So for him to say that just seems so disrespectful. And then to attack not only a woman you've already made fun of once, but the wife of like probably the most powerful black male actor is just like, what are you thinking? And the joke wasn't funny. Now, I can't say, you know how Chris Rock, he has a joke about how like OJ killing his wife, like he doesn't condone murder, but I understand. Mm -hmm. I feel like, well, Chris, you should understand that why Will Smith slapped the shit out of you. You can talk about this man's wife, his black wife, Mm -hmm. about her hair. In I mean, a, it, looking great with her bald head. I, I don't know that it was the best, wisest move, but it made a, it made a, it was a bold move. It was. A I just I'm so stuck on how this black man thought that this made sense to it, talk well, about this black woman, and then so many other black women have a very similar hairstyle. Like why would you? And then you made a documentary about black women and their hair. But <laughs> I, but again, I think it goes back to we think it's okay to criticize people's bald heads, like as a bald man. Oh yes, like. I, you know, I, I'm often shocked about, cause I forget, I walk around in this world just being me and, and people will make comments, whether it's like fetishizing it or, uh, you know, I've had people straight up ask me like, Oh, do you have cancer? Like, <laughs> well, know? I'm very sensitive to it because I choose to have a bald head most of the time. I have hair at the moment, but I generally choose to have a bald head. And I've always been sensitive to people's comments about people being bald because it, it, it always made me feel like you're saying there's something wrong. Right. And, and it makes me feel unattractive because I like being bald. So the fact that I can, like, I know for someone who, who chooses to be bald and can grow hair, it, you're like, well, when just grow hair. So I get it. But I also feel like, yeah, this, it's just a lame joke. It's like it's like it's like making fun of someone because they're fat. Like, what, well, what? it's just like that's all you got, right? Like, what year is it that you have to make fun of? Like, this lady, she looks great with her bald head, and a lot of people rock bald heads who don't have to. People like, are because people, I you know, I've been in the presence, your presence, where people have made comments about like, oh, you look saying to you that Joseph looks so much better with hair, or I'll wear like. Like I've I've done Keith Urban for Halloween or this past Halloween I was Kurt Cobain with like basically a a blonde fright wig and you will not believe how people say to me like it's a pity you don't have hair. Well, you <laughs> like, know I'm very you know it's not about me but it, like I I'm very sensitive about my hair because whenever I grow my hair out like I have now, people make comments like what you just said like oh you look so much better with hair, or people will message me like. Oh, you should not cut your hair. You look so much better. Like, what? Oh, yeah. No, that's... that's also... Because it's like, I actually hate having hair. That's why I usually have a bald head. Well, okay. So, funny thing. Joseph's experimenting on my head right now. <laughs> so... The reason Nick has been wearing hoodies and hats in all of our recent videos is because he's growing his hair out. Because I'm going to install a unit. Mm-hmm. Like, which a la doc- John... Which, which will document. Like, you know, a la John Travolta. Or Nicolas Cage. It'll look or almost, well, many, many male actors in Hollywood wear lace front units that they 
um, adhere to their the top of their head and then their natural hair is grown out and blended in and it looks great and I've always wanted to play with those and it never occurred to me to ask you until recently and I'm not even sure what inspired me to do it because well, I asked once before and you were like well there's not really a good time for me to grow out my hair and then with the pandemic it just there was no good time because you had you know or I, I don't know why now worked but well, we're making it work. Well, you know, I decided to do it. And, you know, it's it's weird because um, I accepted and like myself as, as a, a bald person. Uh, so it's not something I want to feel like I'm dependent upon. But I'm also, you know, I haven't had hair in 20 years. So. You also shave your head like every other day. Yeah. So it's a very weird. So you thing. haven't touched your head in three weeks? Oh, almost a month now. A month this week. Yeah. So it's a weird feeling. But, but but it's interesting because you don't look that different to me, except that you keep playing with your head. Oh, it's so weird to feel. But when I look at you, it doesn't look that... Well, because the way your hair looks now, a lot of men look like that. Yeah, I know, but I hate it. <laughs> I know you don't like it, but it's not... An, like you. If you were to walk outside, people wouldn't stare at you. No, of course not. It, but, uh, but again, I think it's, it's how you're treated. I mean, I lost my hair when I was 20. So how all their 20 year olds treat you is like you're a leper. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's fine, but, uh, I, I'm curious to see, but I, I also, when we record that experience, I'm going to be very clear that this is not me doing it because I think there's anything wrong with being bald. Well, moving anyway. on to my last note, um, the obituary section of the Oscars in memoriam, was so weird because they had like a choir dressed up like they work in an office <laughs> wearing these like monochromatic suits doing gospel and there was a point where they were taking us to church mm -hmm. and I just thought like why is the Oscars taking me to church right now and and then it ended with Jill Scott on the mic giving like a spoken word offering us like a spoken word piece not even. And, and yeah. then didn't sing. I don't know. And cinched all hell. But uh, She looked great. She looked good, but it was like, wow, you came out here for all that. Okay. That's all I have about but the Oscars. But we didn't talk... So Best Supporting Actress went to Ariana DeBose, my favorite part of the West Side Story remake. I think it's interesting that two women have won an Oscar for playing that character. Um, I didn't write down... I don't care about who won. I really don't. This shit does not matter to me at all. It doesn't matter to me either, but I, I think that it affords certain opportunities for certain things. I was very appreciative of Jessica Chastain's speech. Oh, her acceptance speech calling out the LGBTQ community. And, and, and ongoing legislation in reference to what's happening in Florida. Oh, when Amy Schumer was talking about something and then said, oh, and... And there's an ongoing genocide in the Ukraine. But here's the next one. And, 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 and women are losing their rights. But here's the next nominee. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was good. But um, overall, I... We didn't talk about Will Smith's Oscar speech. It was very long. So, of course, he won. Uh, he but won. He, you could tell he was trying to work through. He needed to address what happened. He apologized to the Academy. He said that, like, uh, Richard Williams, who he played in the movie, he won the Oscar for, he said that, like, he felt the need to protect his family, mm -hmm. which was, I'm ass assuming, him trying to justify his behavior 30 minutes prior. Mm -hmm. um, it was long. He cried. I I haven't seen the movie, so it was hard for me to get into his. I think he did a win, good he did but... a good job in that film, and I I think that 
you know, for him and his stature, that's a deserved accolade. But um, I saw all of the performances except his, right? I think. Yeah. In, in Best Actor category? Yeah. Right. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't have an opinion. I thought, you know, it, it did run on too long, but I thought it was, I think he needed that time to save a little face. Because he also, you know, had to honor the man that he's playing, and and the the Williams sisters who were there in the audience were looking very stone faced uh, until he kind of cracked a joke towards the end of it. But anything else about the Oscars? I'm kind of tired. Okay, no. Uh, and we, we've run over. We have. But uh, what are you reading right now? Uh, I'm reading. Well, no. Can will be announcing titles soon, but I'm trying to kind of pre prep a few things which could possibly be there. Uh, Agnieszka, Agnieszka Smokzinska uh, is directing an English language debut, her third film, The Silent Twins, starring Letitia Wright and Tamara Lawson. Uh, it's based on an actual life case of these two twins that kind of have their own language in life and go on like this crime spree they get arrested for. Uh, but it's based on um, a book by an investigative journalist named Marjorie Wallace, who's played by Jody May in the film, uh, called The Silent Twins. And it's pretty fascinating. Do you have a quote? Uh, the quote I was going to come up with was from Chris Rock because of what happened. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I found though. Uh, oh, Chris Rock. You can only offend me, you can only offend me if you mean something to me. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Which in light of, I guess he means something to the Smiths, but. No. Wait, if who, think, whose quote is that? Chris Rock. You can only offend me if you mean something to me. And you're saying he means something to the Smiths. Yeah, because they took it upon themselves to make a point. But Oh, okay. Anything else? Uh, no. Bye.